Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and we watched several things this week, starting with Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is the sequel to the 2018 Tom Hardy film featuring Venom from the Spider-Man universe. We also watched the first three episodes of The Way Down, God, Greed, and the Cult of Gwen Shamblin, and that's on HBO, and it focuses on Gwen Shamblin Lara, who was the founder of a diet program called The Way Down Workshop, and also The Remnant Fellowship, which is a religious cult. So spoilers for that as well. The documentary touches on some pretty dark materials, so be braced for that, but also you'll probably have wanted to have seen the documentary because we do go into spoilers and it makes it just contextually more sense if you have seen it. And then finally we watched two more documentaries, both of which were on Britney Spears. We watched Britney versus Spears on Netflix and Controlling Britney Spears on Hulu. I would say spoiler alert for those, but if you've seen any bit of the news around Britney Spears, you probably generally know what's going on. And then be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion as there are a couple of follow-up points. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? All right. It is strange. We watched Venom, Let There Be Carnage. What did you two think we of did. this cinematic masterpiece? <laughs> I know Jackie loved it. I was okay. she, wanted, she wanted to rewatch the ending sequence over and over. I know that. I was mm-hmm. deeply into it. No, so I'll preface this by saying I never saw the first one. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know I either. Had... <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, no, this is great. Okay, yeah. go on. I had no desire. So basically the people who said that they loved it are the people who I know disagree with me on what I like in movies. Mm-hmm. So 90%. <laughs> like we have some overlap, but it's they have terrible small. taste. You can just say yeah. it. And so I was like, all right. So if these people like it, then it's just not my jam. Cool. I'll skip this one. No big deal. So I have not seen the first one. So I went into this very pretty blind. I had seen trailers, obviously. I'll say that I fell asleep. Um <laughs> In the church sequence, you know, the last, like, big finale sequence, I completely Mm -hmm. fell asleep. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, in its defense, which I, you know, who expected me to defend it, it's not a bad movie. It's just not my movie, right? It's not terribly plotted. I don't think that, like, you know, it was fairly interesting. I just happened to not like that sort of humor. I don't think it's funny. And it was very predictable, right? So it was kind sure. of obvious what was going to happen at the end. And so it was kind of like I didn't really need to pay attention because there was no tension for me because I didn't care about the characters particularly. And then it was very obvious what was going to happen, in, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. And Matt, you had seen the first one. Yeah. So I It's your favorite watched, film. You watch it over and over. Of course. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I watched it. I also thought it looked really terrible and I had heard some decent things about it from people, but then I mostly just watched it because I just am that person who has this need to know, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to this stuff. And yeah, I'll blame part of it on that childhood. Me would have wanted to see it. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I'll blame it on that a little bit, but it's like this, there's that part of me. It's like, okay. And I really, really did not like the first one at all. This I did not like either. I thought it was, I don't know if I thought it was a weaker film or equally as weak. I don't think either of them are strong films, but I, there were moments that I found myself kind of appreciating more than I would expect with the carnage aspect. Mm, okay. Only in that they did his story pretty accurately from what I remember anyway. And about, you know, and I thought that was pretty cool, but also not earned and it was very weak but mm-hmm. i remember the prison scene in particular like when he's breaking out of the asylum or what, at rikers wherever he was i remember thinking what's that san quentin in our well your oh, right. all's former backyard <laughs> but yeah, i mean i think it would have been rikers in the comics i guess but yeah you're right Duh. during that sequence i remember thinking to myself man if if i was 
if I was 10 right now, I'd be uh-huh. eating this up. So it made me just think, well, there is an audience. <laughs> Were you a Venom fan as a kid or just as in a general? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I will say that's part of my bigger issue with this. It's kind of the same kind of issue I have with, in, in a lesser way, the same kind of issue I have with these live action Disney villain remakes that they do or, or tellings they do where you take a, a movie, a story, and you say, hey, this character everybody loves, let's make a movie about this character, but then let's also kind of make them super redeemable and not make them the actual villain. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know Venom as the symbiote is still considered a villain here, but it's just become a thing where now it's, I mean, he does team up with Spider-Man here and there. I, in fact, to beat Carnage at one point, but it's just so kind of, oh, it's kind of, adorable and endearing and it's we're on his side and it's like why don't you just let us hate this guy why can't he just be a villain too <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's just not for me now but it would have been okay with me as a t- I'm gonna say I liked it more than the first one which is the lowest of low bars and I think the thing I liked about this one is that it gave up any pretense of trying to do some convoluted high concept backstory etc because I I couldn't remember much of the first one and I was texting a friend who ended up going to the same screening as me and he was saying he didn't remember anything and I was like something something fight Riz Ahmed who's secretly a Jeff Bezos character I don't remember Venom is a symbiote blah 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 and this one just sort of takes a lot of shortcuts and jumps right in and I think to someone who has a backstory understanding Carnage it was I don't know, there may have been more investment there, but for me, I was like, okay, it's bad guy, worse guy, but they've made the bad guy a good guy, so who cares? I don't know, but they just, they just gave away, they gave up any pretenses of trying to do I, I don't know, anything complicated and were just like, give the people what they want. This buddy comedy with Tom Hardy and a voice and violence, I guess? I don't, I don't know. So I will, I will admit I'm guilty of laughing at the Tom Hardy buddy comedy stuff of that, which I know is not Jackie's jam, but... It, when done well, it's my favorite thing. But this was a, I think I was looking for something to grasp to get through this only an hour and 37 minute movie. And it felt like the longest movie I've seen in a long time. And I saw a three hour movie the day prior. And this felt as long, if not longer. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. Well, listen, he, Tom Hardy, and I've said this on this podcast before that he makes it incredibly hard for me to, I, I love him. I love, really like Tom Hardy as an actor. And I just, I'm not a huge fan of many movie choices he makes and it's just gosh this makes it really hard to be a fan of Tom Hardy because I want to watch Tom Hardy and all the things but I don't want to watch most of the things he's in but I will say the buddy comedy aspect which I think is a thing I do not like either about it I really really can't stand the voice they've chosen for Venom and I will say as much as it was also hokey the voice for Carnage seemed less awful to me in a way Mm -hmm. but that whole buddy aspect of it I just think is silly I get it it's they're psychically linked bonded and it's like that in comics as well and they have an internal dialogue things like that but those moments I don't love but he does it well all things considered I think Tom Hardy's pretty good at it That's <laughs> funny. Just... I, actually, I think the CG voice etc does a better job than <laughs> Tom Hardy playing to... I, and it's not... I mean it's also Tom Hardy playing to a you know a tennis ball probably so I, I just to be I'm seeing like eyelines are a little bit off and Venom's sure. lip sync is just completely useless but yeah, that's that's the only redeeming part of it for me. The rest of it was, I mean, I love that the third act is just Spider-Man 3 again. Like, it's the exact same, except for we've taken, we've taken it from New York to San Francisco, and we're like, oh, I guess we'll put it in Grace Cathedral this time, and oh no, there's the, the church bells again. There we go. I found it also, I obviously we have to address the elephant in the room, which is the credits scene, yes. but I'm not a proponent of let's bring all these other 
you know, we talked about this with WandaVision, all these other properties into canon now by way of multiverse. If it happens and it happens in a way that works well, okay, whatever. I know they're already doing that in Spider-Man with Jonah coming in. But, okay, cool. You can go ahead and do that. But then it just kind of made me irritated that you just spent this whole movie basically, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of developing this new villain that's so deadly, Carnage, and doing it in a way that's pretty accurate. And then you bring Shriek into it which is his love interest very notoriously in the comics. And she's a pretty big Spider-Man villain at times. And then you just kill them both when you're going to be bringing it to the MCU. Uh And that felt a little bit kind of like, but why? (laughs) You know, I I don't know if you're you're doing this, why not do it? We're also assuming that they're dead in that version of the MCU, you know? True. (laughs) uh, Yeah. (laughs) I, before we talk about that credit scene, question about Shriek, because I'm not familiar with the character, but I felt like this was a, it's not, I don't know, I just felt they bring in this character of Shriek, who it sounds like has a, a you know, relatively rich backstory, and all she exists to do is motivate uh, Carnage and Woody Harrelson's character, and, you know, yes, she has suffered all this stuff on her own, but she's this, I, I mean, I guess, you know, typically the the villains in these stories are are not playing with all the marbles, um, and you know, if you'd been locked up that long, sure, yeah, you that would do things to you. But I just, I her purpose in the film, especially at the, I mean, her purpose was just so that Carnage and Woody Harrelson, I, what's his name again? I can't remember. Oh, Cletus, 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 uh, yeah, just so they could have something to fight over. It just felt, I was like, really, that's what we're gonna do? It's gonna be over a lady? Like, okay, ugh. it just felt so antiquated as a motivation. Yeah, it was a little rough, but it, to be fair. I'm not the biggest expert on her character. I'm familiar with her existence and I've encountered her in comic books many times, but uh, I believe the first time I ever knew of her was Cletus Cassidy's lover. <laughs> and then she gets, she gets her stories in her own rights, but I don't know how, I don't know how she first appears in the comics, I guess. I think that's when I first encountered her was like, Max, not Maximum Carnage, but one of the Carnage stories that Spider-Man was very involved with. I don't know. I mean, she could she be she could be the greatest character of all time for all I know. But in this movie, she was just yeah. Just a with, she's, she's pretty side, honestly. She's yeah. With what I was saying there, I meant it more kind of. I, I meant to. I guess I should say they should have done something cooler yeah, with her yeah. if they're going to bother including her. I just meant right. that I, I don't. I can't speak to what she should have been. I don't really know if it was if it's much different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I she don't... should still be more from a story standpoint if we're going to make her into a film. I mean, I think that no one's really taken the time to give her much of a story. I mean, someone could argue this because I don't know everything obviously um, about all the comics in the world, but I've never really seen a good story with her. I don't think so. I, I guess in that sense that maybe the character deserves more in comics as well, but that doesn't preclude it from, from needing to be better in mm-hmm. the actual movie. So clearly written it's as a, an accessory. But know. to be fair, yeah. like, I mean, I don't know that Cletus, he was pretty one note too. Oh yes, as that as well. Absolutely, that's um, it was. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of feeling like most of the characters are pretty one note. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the the thing that stood out to me is not only is Cleo's one note, but uh, the, both the women characters, right? Like Michelle Williams was she just functions to help Tom Hardy's character constantly, or Venom even sometimes, and I. I don't know. I we just we need to do better. We need to do better with women in superhero movies. <laughs> Come on. That's that's yeah. for sure. And uh, I think I think maybe it's coming off of something like Shang-Chi where the female characters actually, you know, yes, they're there to help the there are some who are there who, that help the main character, but there are also others who exist that I don't know, have lives outside of that. But they drive story. Yeah. You know, and and they're fleshed out and and 
Marvel has, the MCU has not done the absolute most amazing job with women across the board, but I do feel there have been films that we can look at largely from the MCU when looking at this genre that are getting it more and more right. And so mm-hmm. to see something in 2021 get it so shallow again, it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're supposed to just be thankful that we got a somewhat halfway prominent Spider-Man villain that is a woman in this film. Because the first film, you know, we got the ridiculous scene of, spoiler alert, Jackie, but Michelle Williams as Lady Venom for a second. <laughs> it was kind of like, hmm. You know, it just was, why? Why? Yeah. So. And she did, yeah, she returned. Yeah. Again. <laughs> right. So briefly, right. but, okay, so the post, the mid-roll credits, whatever scene, yeah, I don't want, I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I couldn't know. wrap my mind around how, what we were, because it's a symbiote. He's like, oh, show, let me show you how, how we see things or something. It was just so weird. So Venom has the power to jump to a different version of the Oh, I didn't I understand. take it as that. I took that they got moved. It just happened to be during as he was talking the moment. About yeah. Okay. Because doesn't he say, like, I didn't do that? I think he does, but I, that's, yeah, you're right. He does. I don't know, but it was just... It was it was underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it's just a way to be it. like, oh, by the way, yeah, someone yeah. is, and and then maybe that means oh, we'll yeah, see yeah. him in in Spider Man coming out this year. Yeah, well, I, I don't, don't know, think they'll but... be a big part of it. I think that we might get you know them on screen at some point, but I can't mm-hmm. imagine they'll be big plot points, like hint to a future. Because also he's like that guy and likes the screen, but it was like, but why? Yeah, have you seen him before? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, I mean? well, they, it's right. So strange. it's like I guess that that presumes that Venom does get knowledge from the symbiotes from the multiverse that they all feed into one collective understanding and they are familiar with the concept of a multiverse because again otherwise why would he know who peter parker is that's what i mean yeah just... yeah but it's i mean it's what it's fine it's fine i yeah. I, I had a friend with me who was excited for it and enjoyed the film and i'm very happy for her and, there you go. and then you and then again there you see that it works it's working for somebody yeah i think we deserve better and we should want better but at the same time again not everything's going to be for me and that's okay mm-hmm. but you know i i was so is it okay <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like it, it's okay but at the same time when it's not that i'm some venom stan but you know i really was a pretty big spider-man comic fan more as a kid more so than i am now but i was really into spider-man for a long time as a child and, and it's something that like i said as a kid i would have liked this more it's not to say it must be made for me in my adult form now but I am the person who really, really could have loved this if you, if well, you just made yeah. it a better film. <laughs> it is, so. It's funny, though, because you say like, as a kid, as a kid, and I almost wish they'd just gone for an R rating because there were moments I was like, yes, you're getting away with all this violence, et cetera, et cetera, because they're just blobs of goo fighting each other. Right. But, you know, I was like, mm, this is just go for it. Have him be, you know, go with go the Deadpool sweary route, go whatever. Yeah. But just it's, it just felt a little neutered in that sense. And I think it that's dances that line. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's what could have differentiated it from the other MCU films, which are relatively clean, right? It's yeah. like, oh, well, if Sony's going to do their thing, you know, let them have let them have a dark one. Yeah, I was kind of like like cowards, like go there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen we've seen that it works. And honestly, we're I mean, again, this was being made simultaneously but we're coming off of i think a lot of people receiving suicide squad pretty well too so it's like there's this Mm -hmm. audience for that kind of not that it has to be raunchy and just crazy over the top violence but you could just commit at this point but aren't the deadpool movies are or oh yeah 
Just oh, yeah. Say, yeah, yeah. That's like nobody's so, seen I mean, I kind of feel work. like that's similar genre anyway to this. Yeah, yeah so that's what I was, it's that just like, could. We, in fact, we've seen the success if you I, do that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess from my perspective, it doesn't seem like the movie would have been all that much better if it was gorier. No, but I feel like the characters would have been harder. Because I think that, you know, if you have this serial killer character who I, I, this is again, super shortcutty because I was like, why is he in this prison and what did he do? And why is he such a bad guy? And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, I was like, oh yeah, you know, Eddie Brock was an investigative journalist in this version of things. Cause why would he know? I was thinking, why would he know this man? What connection do they have? Why does he have this vendetta? And again, with the shortcuts and just going, eh, just accept with this at the face value, piecing together. Oh, okay, yeah, they had some, you know, some past dealings. And but see, he if, murdered a bunch of people. Yeah, and if they didn't feel the need to make Eddie Brock stay more redeemable, or at least the Venom part of Eddie Brock stay more redeemable, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Cletus and Eddie meet in prison when Eddie's locked up for things that he's done as Venom and Venom leaves him and comes back and that's all. Oh. But they meet in prison because, you know, he's like a photojournalist or whatever, but but he's been doing bad things. But anyway, this, the comics let him be a villain. But either way, I agree. I think, I think with the rated R, it's not that I think gore would have just necessarily helped it, but I think they probably would have felt, I guess you could still do this in PG-13 and you could still do it effectively, but they might have felt more capable of really exploring like you said, getting to know Cletus and, you know, Shriek's character here, Francis, like getting to know the things they've done leading to this. Like we saw the cool, I liked the animation style of seeing Cletus. As I was just going to say, yeah, I like the style, but the, it was, it was, a, cool. it was a cop out of. Well, and they were, and, and what was happening was so like, I remembered those beats. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like I remember this. It was, that was kind of cool as far as his story. But yeah, I, he's in prison for, murdering at least a dozen people that they've caught him for at this point. So, it, you know, in when we first meet him initially in comics. So it's like they might have been able to really flesh it out more and explore it in a really dark way that the tone might not have to be so playful, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and, and you know, but again, that probably was completely accomplishable by PG-13 rating too. They just... That's true. I think it didn't just do more it right. thought would have had to be. The other sequence that I just remembered because I was thinking about, I was like, oh yeah, there was that animation sequence. The Venom at the nightclub in San, Fran- in San Francisco, and I say San Francisco in quotes. What was the purpose of that scene? I, I mean, it, I guess they were trying to be like, yeah, we're... We're queer friendly. We support the LGBTQ community. It didn't advance the story. It didn't do. I was just like, why are we at this rave? What is happening here? I think they really, really wanted us to really, really like the Venom symbiote as a as a character in this. Group. I think they did. The first didn't focus as much on that. Like you're laughing at. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be laughing at the dichotomy between them. Yeah. But I think this was supposed to be like, no, he's a uh, he's actually just. Kind of miss, yeah. He wants to eat brains and stuff, but that's he just that's what he be, eats. Yeah, he wants to be hurt, you know. And it, it was kind of like misunderstood. This is, this is too much. Okay, <laughs> just the setting lot. of it was. I was just, uh, and it's it was... just such a weird. I mean, I don't have as much background with Venom as Matt does because most of my Spider-Man knowledge comes from the Ultimate Universe, which is a kind of, I guess you could call it like a mirror verse. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like they restarted a lot of stories so that people like me, who didn't feel like reading 500 different ones and didn't know where to start, didn't know what to do, could have an easy sort of entry point into characters. Mm-hmm. And so, and in the one that I've read, 
he's a high school student who I think it's like a, a science experiment thing that goes sort mm-hmm. of wrong with a symbiote that he ends up getting. Um, so for me, like, I do think there is, I think you guys are right. Like it either goes darker or goes quirkier, but either mm-hmm. way it's a little bit in between and kind of boring for it. Confusing, right? Like it's just like, what do you, it's confusing what they're like, I don't know what you want from this. Like, why would you pick, I mean, I understand that carnage is sort of one of the bigger versions of venom out there. So I can understand kind of wanting to use it, but if you're going to go with the dark story of a serial killer who, you know, but try to make him funny. It's just kind of weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, totally. It was just, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's like we were supposed there, to be there, laughing. At there the- were moments like the nightclub thing. And then I thought when he was, they were having a fight in the apartment, he's trying to punch him and stuff. There were just moments where I was like, where am I? Like, it just felt like, yeah. this was like, yeah. what am I, what is happening? Like it just was so off the wall and just like, what? Who is this I for? Mean- well, and, like, Venom trying to make him breakfast and, like, ruining his whole kitchen. Yeah. Making something no one would eat. It's, like, just, I don't, I don't know. I didn't understand the point. So the <laughs> thing the thing that I kept coming back to with those scenes, the thing that would pop into my mind is Andy Serkis directed this. And I was just thinking, this is an extended version of the Gollum Smeagol scene gone horribly, horribly wrong, right? This, this is that sort of dynamic of good good side, bad side trying to draw it out into a feature film with a plot that does not stick together well. And, and I just kept thinking, you know, that scene is so great. And this is, this is garbage. This is garbage. Do we think Andy's lashing out? At whom? I don't know. Just the world. Yeah, unhealthy? probably. Well, Andy so is pissed about a lot of things. Yeah. Well, Andy. But he sh- some really crappy things about animators. So I, I think was just going to say Andy should have just credited down. his animators from the start. And, I was just say, know, Andy's maybe. got some chips on his shoulder. So I was just, I don't know what's going on, but. Yeah. I mean, it almost it kind of pisses me off to see Andy rewarded with a Marvel film like this. I mean, Sony Marvel film, but still. Yeah. No, uh, agreed. One that requires so many special effects, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nor there. You can't mocap all that. Mm? <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, would we recommend? <laughs> I, I guess, Jackie, do you think this would have made sense to you had you not I mean, it's kind of unfair because you, it's, there's no, I mean, there's a multiverse of you that exists somewhere that has this, but since you did not see the first one, but you do have some Spider-Man knowledge, et cetera, I mean, it made enough sense, right? You could just drop into this one without having to see the first one. Absolutely. I okay. think that, I mean, I do have comic book knowledge, just kind of anecdotally. So it's, it's possible that helped me, but I, I mean, yeah. I think it explains itself well enough. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it that. I mean, it, I do think that a really effective sequel should not go and recap everything that you didn't have to watch the first one. But I do think that if they're smart, they will make it make enough sense to a newcomer. And then that, but if you've seen the first one, it will obviously enrich it a lot. Like I do think there's an art form there to kind of do aliens being my biggest example probably, but you can drop right into that and understand the film, go back and watch the first one and be like, Oh wow. I get even more now, but you know, so not that I should compare this to that, but I'm just saying, I think that there is something to be said about crafting a story that is still understandable. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Cause I was thinking, I was like, Oh, what are some great sequels? Can you drop into empire without having seen new hope? I don't think oh, you should. So. And it's not a question of should it's can no, no, you. Uh, I mean, it's like two towers. You definitely can't watch without watching Lord, you know, a fellowship. Yeah. 
So yeah, Lord of the Rings I consider because they were all filmed and then spliced together in three different films. It's just kind of like to me that's one big movie. It's hard. I, I agree though. I don't think you should drop in there and just whatever. Yeah. And that, again, I know we shouldn't ever, but I think if someone watched Empire and knew nothing, I think that they would have a lot of questions. But I think <laughs> that they would understand what they saw. Yeah. I think when you start with Hoth. Obviously, they split up and go their own ways, and Luke's looking for knowledge from Yoda. You learn all about, you learn so much more about the Jedi in Empire oh. than you do in A New Hope, really. Obi-Wan yeah. tells you things, but it's like we go, and then when you see what's happening and going to Cloud City, they're explaining to you why they're going to see Lando and this and that, and you know that the Empire, whether you're familiar with the word or not, you know that the, the baddies were there in Hoth, and they're after these people that escaped. Right, so the story I still th- I still think would make enough sense to you to have been entertained, <laughs> but the problem you're, I'm you're having is I don't think I ever really watch second movies that often without watching the first one. I right. mean, good good franchises, right? So I was trying to think of any off the top of my head. I'm looking uh, at a a list of, of Time Magazine's list of sequels better than the original, and yeah. Paddington Two is on there, and. <laughs> I, no, 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 hear me out. I think Paddington, the Paddington films are delightful. They are just wholesome as hell. And I did see the sequel without having seen the first one. And was like, this is so charming. And went back and watched the first one because it was adorable. But it's also a children's movie. So, yeah. I can, name, I can name a handful off the top of my head. But I, and I can name one for you, Jackie, that I think is probably on there. But hmm. Aliens being one of them, I don't have to have just watched Alien to watch Aliens. I like Alien better. So I do watch it more frequently. But it's not a precursor of Aliens to have just watched Alien for me. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I never watched the I first one. I just quite like thinking about Terminator one. 2. I, that was the one that jumped in my head. And then I like I, both of these. Okay. I hadn't seen the first Terminator in so long that I couldn't remember how necessary it was. Uh, to me, not very. But I had seen it before I watched the second one. So it's right. hard to say. Yeah. But uh, I also love both of these first and second. But I watch Batman Returns a thousand times more than I watch Batman. Uh, oh, sure. You yeah, know, so I feel like those are pretty standalone in a way. Yeah, yeah, but I think the problem with something like a Batman movie is that you, you, you've seen it so many times that you. Well, I you, think pop no, culturally, you understand sort yeah. of enough. Yeah. About the character, which is why it's so hilarious that they have to kill the parents every single time <laughs> they remake them. Because remake as a collective pop culture, we know what happens. Yeah. yeah. And I would, I think. Jackie, I, I w- I'm just guessing, but I think you've probably seen Bride of Frankenstein a lot more than you've seen Frankenstein. Would that be correct? It's on this list, yeah. Maybe not. I just assumed because it's your favorite, so I thought maybe you, or you, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, actually. I mean, I usually watch them. Because like t- I really like Frankenstein. I think it's a good yeah. movie, too. So oh, totally. they're just so different, yeah. <laughs> totally, even. But, uh, yeah, I would say that. But I do think you can watch Bride of Frankenstein without having seen Frankenstein and still understand. But I think that's more of a we as a culture know what Frankenstein monster is. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that without that cultural undercurrent, it might be more confusing, but because it's so ingrained it in permeates. pop culture yeah. that like you, we know who Frankenstein monster is just by default. They do and explain like, the plot of the first one at the very beginning of the second one too, though. So it's yeah. like, you know, so you would, yeah. even if you were That's totally true. just like, I've never heard of any of this, it gives you what you need. Totally. And then another one just popped into my head that I was just like, it just popped in and just went out. But I, I do watch, well, there's some that I watch, like I watch X-Men 2 all the time, more than I watch X-Men the first one. But again, we're talking about superhero stuff that we know about. But 
There was something I else. I think you just probably watched it. Locked. No, I mean, I hated Wonder Woman 1984, but I wonder if, I mean, you might. But it's not, it's not a question of is the sequel better? It's can you pop into yeah. it without. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the one I was going to say. I was going to say Scream 2. I think you could watch that without the first. I love the first one. Yeah, I guess a murder. I think you could pop yeah, right into yeah. that, and, and, yeah, and you, you under could. you understand who the killers were in the first is when you learn about the second. You like the yeah, mom. They do and a stuff. good job of that. Well, the staff they really do a good job. In the whole yeah. like, yeah. And what's funny, I thought of Scream Two because one of my favorite parts of that movie is when they're in class and they're talking about sequels that are better than the first ones <laughs> and stuff because it's a very meta, you know. So I like I loved that, but I. I think that's one, well, but yeah, I mean, the I think, rules and all that stuff. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think that makes sense. The rules of horror films. I think, yeah, I think as a whole, I, I think obviously you want to have seen the first of something, but I don't know. I, I do think there is something to this that, like, if it's a, if it's a really well crafted sequel, they can get a new viewer uh, based on that film alone that might want to go back and revisit. The and game. the funny part well, is, is, like, I wouldn't even consider this well crafted, but I will say that I do think. I mean, as someone who dropped in, I do think you can. <laughs> Well, no, I think there's a difference between well-crafted and just giving up and taking shortcuts because the, yeah. the thing that popped into my head that's very similar to this, and I'm not saying it's a good film, but I don't know. Did did you see the Jumanji, the recent Jumanji movies? No, I couldn't. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're, they're, they are what they are. And I found myself slightly more amused by Jumanji The Next Level because it did the same thing as Venom Let There Be Carnage in that it just gave up all the pretenses, right? It just yeah. said... Here's a very quick, brief, you know, world-building moment, etc. It actually also had a buddy thing with Danny DeVito and Danny Glover, and you know all this stuff. But it just was like, okay, you here's here's what you're here for. You're here for them playing this video game. We don't need to do all this like kids backstory, getting sucked in, blah 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 blah. We're just gonna cut right to this stuff. And I feel like that's similarly what Venom, Let There Be Carnage, tried to do. It was like, we're just gonna give you the the symbiote Tom Hardy, you know, buddy thing. Let me cut rephrase right to it. it. Let me add something to my to my statement. I think it takes, there's something to be said about a well-crafted film that can drop you in and have you get enough understanding and also intrigue you with actual plot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what and, is and, like, and, plot do you speak yeah. of? Because <laughs> yes. I would think that was largely missing here. And I'm guessing, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm guessing uh, Jumanji is not loaded with it. I mean, <laughs> you, you, if you've seen the like, original Jumanji, you know the plot because they just yeah. do it over and over. Do you feel like, yeah, some of it, yeah, I don't know. I didn't hate those as much as I expected to, but to be fair, I watched them high, so it's it's all relative. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears entirely. I don't. I don't even know. Shifting gears. Girl, we cults. watched. Yeah. Speaking of cults. <laughs> speaking of things that. Well, I, I mean, ironically, this fits into some of the stuff we've watched recently. With it's, I described it as if Eyes of Tammy Faye and what was the other one? We, oh, and Lula Rich, Lula Rich. Fucked, fucked and had a baby. This is this is what gives us The Way Down, which is an HBO Max or HBO docuseries that's starting to air about a weight loss cult. I watched. We watched the first three episodes. What did you two? I think they're the only... Well, it says to be continued, but I think it's this is part one of a... Right? Or... Oh, I that's thought what I Because I didn't understand why the third episode said to be continued, but none of the other ones did when are they we, ended. We, I assume Ooh. we're giving full spoilers here, right? Yes. Yeah. So I just assumed felt very well. Her story felt very concluded. <laughs> by the well, end. Yeah. <laughs> so now with the daughter, I'm not sure. I guess that's going to continue on stuff with that. I'm guessing that they need to wait for the courts and stuff to finish. Whatever yeah, like, like there's more story happening. to be told here, and we're making it type of thing, right? That's what I can right. Feel, like we're intriguing sure you with what happened, but I, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will say this was not on my radar at all. 
and Dana, you had texted us about it. And so I went in totally, totally blind to it. And I thought the first episode was fine. I was relatively in- intrigued, but I th- kind of thought it was all over the place. I didn't really mm-hmm. feel like it was had a lot of focus. Lula Rich started out with more focus to me. Like this was a little more kind of okay. And I was like, oh, it's another one of these where it's gonna. I didn't know if three was the end or what, but I was like, it's it's gonna take more time than it should to tell the story. Mm-hmm. But then. I don't know, by episode two and then in episode three, it just kept getting so much deeper and weirder with and darker, really, with what was going on. And Yeah, you want to talk about it. Okay, so this is why, like, I got confused. Why not just dive in the deep end in the first one? Because we had so much shit, and I feel like they didn't spend enough, like, they didn't spend enough time on the shit that was crazy to me, right? So I was like, they would just, like, casually go and talk about, you know, this person who died or whatever. And then, I don't know, I want to spend more time with that stuff than... A lot of what happened in the first episode. I know they were trying to like yeah. lay the groundwork for how she got to be so famous or whatever, but I didn't need that. I don't care. Well, to you that know, point, it kind of, I think because we just fresh off Tammy Faye, like you said, mm-hmm. there were so many things that were reminiscent of that, that mm-hmm. I did feel maybe yeah. it would have been more intriguing to me had those kind of stories not been so present in my mind. But yeah, I think that there was crazier stuff that ended up happening. And then I got to tell you, I was standing up with popcorn in my mouth, went learning that she, that they were the ones on that flight that got, went missing like a year ago. I remember that. I just don't remember who was on it. I didn't, I knew, I didn't know who she was. So to have that connect moment, I was like, that was them. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't know about the flight. I just I, literally, I, I saw the photo of her with her hair. You know, higher the, <laughs> the hair, closer to God yes. hair. That was just like a bump it gone wrong or something. I went, well, I will be watching whatever I this is. That one, that one person they were interviewed totally dragged her for the hair too. As no. they should. That hair yeah. was. I mean, she terrible. deserved every moment of that. I do think it's funny. And this is, you know, we can talk about deeper things, of course. <laughs> but I, I did think it was funny, like the last scene when the daughter's on stage and the daughter has the thinnest closest hair to her head as possible and I just <laughs> laughed because it was like clear that that was a commentary on how she thought that her mother looked because mm-hmm. otherwise she would be a little clone yeah I there there's just it's they're definitely covering a lot in this and I agree with you in that it feels a bit all over the place but I'm like oh god have we just scratched the surface and we are there's so much to cover that they have just that's why they are sort of pinging around and is like laying the groundwork I, I don't know if it's gonna be the most eloquent storytelling way to do it but I'm still fascinated because this is just yeah I I wanted I'm wondering if the continuation will get more into this but I did want more about the son because it felt they were creating kind of some sympathy around him mm-hmm. but it didn't feel as if it went far enough into where is and I guess they can, no. I, I guess what happened to is maybe they can't, legally, they can't say people have committed crimes, right? Well, they, Unless, yeah, they want to have a disclaimer and say, right. we are just showing what. And so I feel like, like when they kept showing us the thing about the kid that died from SIDS, the infant, and the, I just want to know, I want to talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that infants kept dying. They were just like casually mentioning it because like the daughter, didn't the daughter, the daughter lost someone at five months. And then that other, like the Smith family, the Smiths. Yeah. They lost their infant also. I mean, they tried to make it seem like the kid killed the infant, but I don't know if that could be true. The kid that had hid knives under his bed or whatever, but then actually yeah. got beaten to death. Yeah. So maybe he 
had knives under his bed because he was being beaten on a regular basis. Maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. But that was wild. And, but it just felt like it kind of gave these like hints of, I don't know, maybe I was trying to read into it too much, but it just felt like, are you trying to say that these infants were killed for some belief? Oh, hmm. I don't know. I didn't really think that. I, I was more kind of, especially with the daughter's kid, it was more to me like definitely talking about that. The other one was stranger to mention, I think, but that one I was thinking the purpose was mainly to showcase the type of horrible brainwashing and delusion that was being on dis- that was on display here just being, oh, well, we know we are perfect, so God's not punishing us but because of something we've done. It must be something someone in the congregation is doing. So which one of you has caused my child, my grandchild's right. death? Right. And which was, it's so twisted and awful. And it just, it, well, just, know, I just felt like that one woman, and yeah. of course I don't remember anyone they interviewed names, but that one woman just seemed like she was questioning the SIDS thing. And I felt like even the, the police officer was sort of questioning it because he was like, well, well I guess the, the, the infant is at the same household as the, as the kid who died like 11 right, years right. later or something. Right. Or right. I don't remember exactly, well, yeah, but no, it was I a very short time frame. Yeah. It was absolutely right to question that. And so then he I, was mean, talking, I think it's just neglectful parenting is what they're I wasn't talking. sure if it was related to the dog. Yeah. And so then, then I started getting confused on if it was related to the other mm. SIDS thing that they had mentioned earlier. Oh, no, I think I I had the same interpretation as Matt, where they were just trying to showcase how this congregation uh, interprets bad events and and uses them to, you know, capitalize on blame and guilt and all that stuff and and convince people that, you know, this is this is because somebody is doing something bad and whether or not it's actually just an actual case of sudden infant death syndrome or, you know, there are bad apples in bad parents, you know, like that's it's it's not. It's how this, how they choose to use that in their narrative that I think it was trying to like weave together. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What shocked yeah. me the most, I, I mean, there's so much, there's a lot shocking and it's all disturbing, even though some of it, some of it you almost just have to laugh because you're like, how, how, I just don't understand how anyone can, can fall into this type of thing, right? But I do get it, but it, sometimes you're just like, this is insane. This can't it's be hard insane. from the outside because I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah, you, and, and that's the thing is I don't want to my children. I don't mean like to, what? Yeah, but I mean, also, blame or anything. You know, so. I absolutely like the when the women were talking about how trapped they were and stuff. I got it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's difficult and it's something. But the thing that really, really got me is you see the son and the daughter younger and in their kind of promotional videos and stuff, and then talking about as they were getting a little older. The next time they showed the daughter, it was just like holy shit. Because she was so dangerously skinny, and she didn't even look like I, I thought. I did. I was like, that was not the same girl. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like yeah. the same person to me. And it was so sad to see, just like, oh my gosh, like this. Because even you know the the leader, the lady, I can't remember her name for some reason either. But she, it it seemed clear to me that uh, there was obviously some sort of eating disorder <laughs> going on here with with stuff. And it's maybe not, and so I don't want to say that if it wasn't. But it looked as if it it just the signs were looking like it was. And then let's see mm-hmm. the daughter like that later. It was just so, it was disturbing. And then it, you know, it added to everything, but that, it just like, shocked me seeing her. I mean, it's, I, I think the, the most interesting thing that, not most interesting, but the reason that this sort of grabbed my attention, especially coming off of something like Lula Rich, is just the, the abundance of correlation between the weight loss and the aesthetic, you know, fitting into a certain stereotype. And then these sort of cult-esque, if not straight up cult structures 
that, you know, people prey upon victims, essentially. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, what society are we living in? That this contingent, but then I, this has probably been going on since, you know, the yeah. dawn of social structures as a whole. Yeah, when you relate it to Tammy Faye, that it's it's like, yes, this cultish thing, but then you it just, it's, it's disappointing that you cannot separate the uh, ability of this kind of thing transpiring with church organization, mm -hmm. which is an organized religion of any kind, which is so sad because, you know, I, I don't know. We haven't really, I don't know if we've, remember if we've discussed religious beliefs here. I'm not a religious person. I don't, I'm not like an atheist, but I consider myself agnostic because I don't really know. I don't know mm -hmm. one way or the other if there's something out there, but I don't, I certainly don't subscribe to an organized religion. And it's unfortunate because I do know people who do that. It's a really, really positive thing. And it's really unfortunate that this kind of stuff also happens and yeah. brainwashing and things that give all of it kind of a bad name, even though it doesn't necessarily need to be, have that association at all. And it's not to say, it, oh, all churches are bad because I don't think that. But I just mean this is such a, a thing that we see so, so frequently, unfortunately, you know, and corruption and things like that that gets, uh, you know, out there that it's, I don't know, it's just sad. And it's sad that people can be so brainwashed and sad that it can devastate so many lives just because one person just becomes so convincing. You know, it's, well, it just it's, has you know, charisma, you know, right? It's just, it's a charisma, charisma thing. That, you know, it's, mm -hmm. just like, it's just this, this leader. Cause you know, it's, it's very funny because in a lot of my conversations, I've, I've had some interesting like work drama and, and, and sort of decisions that I've had to make around that recently. And I've had a lot of conversations, you know, with, with people close to me about how it just is so awful that when you become an adult, no one has an answer for you. No one is like, Hey, you should definitely do this thing or mm -hmm. you should definitely not do this thing. Right. And so I can absolutely understand wanting that, right. Wanting someone to tell you what the path is and what decisions to make and what to do and where, where to go. And so I, I, I get why people get sucked into it. And it just makes me very sad that people sort of would use that sort of power yeah. to influence them so negatively. Great, vulnerability. And just, you know, the fact that they were at it, I mean, the saddest part for me was a little boy who got beaten to death, obviously. The fact that he was at a church gathering and they put him in a wicker basket didn't tie it shut because he kept lifting his head out. They were, I mean, am I right that it was a church gathering because that's what i thought i heard but it was all so disturbing but i was i think more of i think when she calls it and she locked him in his red room for the entire weekend with only his bible right that was and, it's just, and it was just like the abuse and so it's that just, must have been taking place in this house it's just it's just so awful and just but the fact that it was because i thought that the wick basket was actually at the church and then they were, when they were done with whatever reading or whatever they couldn't hear anything from it so they opened it up and he was not responsive and the fact that like these people were so brainwashed that they like let this happen in front of them that's the stuff that's wild you know mm -hmm. because because happening behind closed doors and whatever for me that's a dark side of people and 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 and, and happens but the fact when it happens out in the open and it's just accepted and like what like the babysitter was saying that she just refused to hit this kid, you know, even though the, the, the father kept telling her to hit him. And then did that it. Kind of, and then did it in the back room and no one said anything or cared. Could hear it. And it was just, yeah. yeah. Like that to me, that's the worst. Like I don't, 
Yeah, there's no there's no redeeming. It's just very hard because, you know, and especially doing it in the name of a deity. You know, I'm pretty agnostic as well. Just like Matt, I I don't have the answers. I don't subscribe necessarily to being full atheist, but I question organized religion quite a bit. And because the question I've never really been able to get answered from anyone, at least a, a way that makes me happy is that I don't understand how you can spout in one breath that this is an all-knowing, all-powerful being and then say that they want you to hurt anyone, Mm -hmm. right? That is... A vengeful God? It doesn't appeal to you? (laughs) No, it doesn't appeal to me. I don't believe that. I don't think that if you were truly all-knowing that that it isn't grace or um, love that you would come to. Like, I, I I mean, cheesy as that sounds and, and not as true to my goth girl heart as most people would think, <laughs> I do genuinely believe that that love and caring for each other is actually, you know, how we get through things and, I, and understanding. And I just think it's sad that anyone would use, because I think religion and a lot, most, <laughs> not all of them, of course, right? can't do a broad strength but I think a lot of them are true thoughts but it's it's people that ruin it right and that's why organized religion itself is not great on the whole is because there's too many people involved Mm -hmm. and people get to interpret things any way they want to and they get to use you know the bible as a weapon against people they don't like or against uh, ideas they don't like Yeah, I think there's a huge difference between spirituality and organized religion, right? And so when speaking about organized religion, and then there's at what point do you go from being organized religion to being a cult, right? When when are you so far off of the mainstream path in quotes that you are suddenly a cult and suddenly everyone else, you know, kind of uh, distances themselves are like, oh, no, they're extremists, they're whatever, they're, you know, but the fact that a quote, I mean, cult existed in where are they? They're somewhere in California, right? Like somewhere. Brentwood. Brentwood. Yes. What? (laughs) I thought it was I thought it was like Tennessee or something. Brentwood. That's where that's where the car or that the plane that's where she's was. from. But the Brentwood is where the actual, the actual church, church is. Church. Okay. Yeah, and I I do think a lot of this is also race based, right? And it's you know I mean, there's it's a all huge, white almost yeah. except for well, kids. and then look at unfortunately, who, yeah. But the the fact that that community was able to pop up in that area, I think, is also you know a huge socioeconomic. Anyway, it's there are a lot of layers in this. And it was also I just, do you remember like the daughter that met the guy? In high school and they gave her a burner phone so oh, that yeah. she could still communicate with them that's when you know you're doing some shady stuff is when yes. you're buying teenagers burner phones so that they can join your cult i actually have a story about burner phones and religion and all of that stuff oh wow in high school or i think it was coming out of high school and going into college someone who i was friendly enough with but maybe not the closest of friends. They were in the Mormon church and they were dating someone who was not in the Mormon church. And I think maybe this was our summer after freshman year or something like that, but they, their parents did not approve of it in general. I, I don't know if they didn't approve of the person or whatever, just dating or whatever it was. And I don't know what level of, you know, their relationship was happening and all this stuff, but this person ran away from home and I don't know why they contacted me, but they contacted me and I went, uh okay and they said hey can I get a ride I want to go to CVS and I want to buy a cell phone because they shut off my cell phone and you know this is pre-smartphone days and you had to get like a prepaid text plan stuff and and uh my my thoughts on it were 
I guess you are safer with me than I don't know who else you were going to contact. I don't know who else you would turn to because I don't, you know, I we went to the same high school. I know our social circles. This is a very, you were such like a good, I, I just don't know, right? And so I was like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm the best choice here. And I ended up having to talk to her parents at one point who did not know who I was. And I assumed they probably thought I was some terrible, terrible, you know, horrible influence person who was trying to aid and abet their child to see their secret lover or whatever it was. I was like, no, I didn't want her going off and doing God knows what. Whereas I was like, hey, we have a bedroom you can stay in. Like, why don't you stay here instead of running away to go see him at college and doing all this stuff? And, you know, it was just so dramatic. And I was like, how did I get involved in this? I don't know you this well. Why am I? What? And I, I promise you this person does not, well, and maybe they remember it, but I wouldn't bother to ask them about it. But it was, you know, I drove them up to see the person because they were just so distraught over the situation. And all they did was like chat in a parking lot. And then, you know, I kind of sat in the car quietly and was like, oh, I don't want to be here. And then I was like, okay, we're time to go. And we just, we drove back. And that was, it was, it was wild. And I was like, what, what is happening here? What is this teenage rebellion? But I, yeah, it was a very bizarre, but we did have to go to CVS and bought a burner phone. So they could talk to them via the text messages. Wow. I mean, I do feel like the parents in this made a couple of missteps because they kept trying to force her not to do it, which is just, you know, having been a teenager. Yeah. N- not not the jam. But I also don't know that I would have treated it any differently <laughs> if I had known. Yeah. I was getting hooked into a, a cult. I don't know. The funniest thing to me is this person is now aggressively still a part of the LDS church and like married with kids to someone. And I was like, okay, well, I guess you had, you got it out of your system. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think where I, I don't know if I say draw the line, because I, again, I have not ever been a practicing uh, religious person of any kind for my whole life. But I think when it's one thing to be spreading the word, right. And, and speaking the word and spreading the word of love and all this, whatever. And it's another thing to be recruiting people. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered that, that I know in a lot of different religions, and we don't have to go too deep into philosophies, but I know a lot of it is, this is the word, let's try to, you know, you want to save, save souls and this and that and kind of, you know, make sure people under, are you're doing God's work by spreading the word if you're going with Christianity, say, right? And I think there's a difference, again, between that and trying to go out there and, and shame people when we're at Comic-Con and they're telling us that, no. <laughs> you know, we're going to hell because we're walking at Comic-Con. It's like, yeah. there's a difference. And I'm not saying that's Christianity. I don't know what that is, honestly. But I'm just saying there's a difference between I'm trying to actually control what you're doing and I think that you should come talk to me because I can actually introduce you to a better world is different than, oh, come one, come all, welcome. I hope you join us someday. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's kind of where I make the differentiation. Yeah. I mean, I can understand being more active, I guess, in the sense that I I guess what pops in my mind, and I don't know the answer to this. So Jehovah Witnesses, for example, it's not considered a cult that I'm aware of. Yeah, I don't think so. But they do force them, not force them, but you're really supposed to do a certain number of hours of recruitment per month. I mean, I have close family members who are part of this church. I think it's considered a church. I don't know. And I have heard quite a bit about it. <laughs> and it is, to me, a little culty, but I, I'm not me. sure. I don't know where the the line gets drawn, if I'm honest. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're preaching, you know, beating your children or anything that I'm aware of. So people... I don't think... But I also don't think a cult has to be something that is telling you to do terrible things. I think a cult is something that's trying to control the way you think. Yeah. Yeah. And and make you fall in line with whatever they want. And that could be 
because I do think like positive messaging, but not not acting in your own volition is not a positive message, you know. So I think that's what where the line is. When it turns out that she got told she had to sleep with her husband more because she didn't feel like doing that, like things like that to me, it was like, oh, this crosses a a line. But I, I guess I don't know where the cult line is. That's brought up an interesting question that they were asking in the doc, though, where they were talking about this woman led thing preaching all these things that are just not about positive things for women at all when women have no power and be an accessory right and it's interesting because again not to get too far into you know the problems with uh specifically white women but feminism and all but beyond that and republican and all these different things that can be problematic in ways it's women keeping themselves down and Mm -hmm. and falling into this weird place and not to say they're at fault for everything that's happening there i just mean it's shocking to see it i don't expect to see anyone like that, but a cis straight white man, just because they have cis straight white men have all the power. Mm-hmm. I say that as a cis white man who is, you know, not entirely straight, but but like well, you still have a fair amount of power. Like let's, I'm saying, I say that as someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't try to remove myself from that equation just because I'm specifying cis straight white men. But I'm just saying it's like I, it's shocking to see anyone else in that position preaching the things that are keeping themselves down. Just, yeah, it's strange. I do think it's interesting she was able to sort of keep the power for as long as she did, though. Yeah. Would it have ever gone away? I mean, it sounds, I don't, we'll have to see, I guess. I don't know. It seemed like the only people she collected around her were were dudes that were willing to listen to her, which. And again, it's so funny seeing women oppress other women, essentially being, you know, the, the, the core system or encouraging the core system that. I'm not saying a lot of, not the most misogynistic people I know, but a lot of women don't have not unpacked their internal misogyny a lot of the mm-hmm. time and don't understand where their sort of knee jerk reactions to things come from. Mm-hmm. And that like, Hey, that's actually that's misogynistic. You know, that that's not how we, and I, I think a lot of, especially white women, you know, to call out my people, but a lot of white women have not unpacked a lot of it. Yeah. There's, there's work to be done. Just going back to the, the core that it is a, documentary i think the other challenge for me and this will sort of sort of bring us into the the britney spears athon we watched this week is i a friend sent an article about documentaries used to sort of imply at least some sort of journalistic slant to them and maybe maybe that's very broadly defining because i guess you could just you know you're also documentary implies you're just documenting something but i think in the last few years we've definitely seen this sort of it's like docutainment meets i don't know schadenfreude Maybe is the right word. There's probably a better word for it, but just just show, showcasing these essentially horrible things, but they're so popular, and I don't know if they contribute to a solution to them. Is the thing about it, right? Like I don't, and I don't know if that's their job to do, but I, especially with the the Britney Spears documentaries we watch, I was like, what is this contributing to society? What is is the goal of this just to show that this thing happened and hope that people take away like, hey, we should change our behaviors or we should, you know, don't get sucked into a weight loss cult or whatever it may be. But I, I between this and the uh, Britney versus Spears and the New York Times one this week, I was like, oh, we might need to redefine, not only redefine cult, but redefine documentary or docutainment or whatever it may be. Yeah, I could see that. I think that it depends on the subject matter in the way that sometimes it's a documentary that's just about an interesting topic and it's just like like we talked about wordplay before right where yeah i guess i haven't seen that in years but documentaries like that are, or uh what was the spelling bee one? Oh, i loved that one spellbound too. and oh, yes. there was just those to me read very this is informative and actually very interesting here we are let's document this and it's kind of more kind of more lines up with 
the, the modern day docu follow reality series mm-hmm. type of vibe, right? That we have now. And these types of stories that are presenting a case or something, because I've loved a lot of true crime and different things like that. True crime is the, one of the things I'm thinking of. Yes, thank you. <laughs> right, yeah. And I think it's it's like when they're documenting, okay, here's this thing and it's there's legal legalities involved, all kinds of stuff, and there's open cases and stuff like that. It does usually, I think with what you're saying, be become more of an investigative journalism type of thing. Did you ever watch The Keepers? Uh, maybe. So that came out years ago, but that is a docuseries that I highly recommend. What is it about? It's about a boarding school, but it's it gets into, I think it's Catholicism and nuns and things like that. But it's, oh, it's yes. it starts yeah, out interesting because there's this, this nun yeah. who... A nun who was murdered, and it's basically yes, trying I've to seen find this out one. who did it. Yeah, and it yeah, 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 into yeah. this entire thing that, for anyone listening, I don't want to spoil because I just thought it got so interesting. But that, to me, what I loved about it, and I actually thought about that while watching one of these Britney Spears ones, but I loved that that one had these two women who went to school there and remember Sister Kathy, I think her name was, who got murdered, and have to this day not give it up trying to figure out how she died and trying to mm-hmm. prove it. And the whole thing is learning about what was going on back then while they are going through and investigating to find the truth. That to well, me is the best kind of documentary. Where it's, Yeah. I also you know, really liked um, making a murderer. And so I think they're trying to, all of these <laughs> are trying, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about, this Hulu one I watched over the weekend, which was a total decision. Um, it was called Curse of the Chippendales. And <laughs> it's about the Chippendales from like the 70s. I mean, there's like murder mystery. No, I it's almost like, watched that. It's it like wildly. Definite. It is more interesting than you expect it to be. But it mm-hmm. is definitely not like four episodes worth of entertainment. Right. Yeah. But I think like the, the success of making a murderer of the Tiger King, you know, these sort of docuseries they're trying to stretch them out a little bit longer. And I think we're, and and I think to Matt's point, I do think that this has to do with the, the rise of documentary style reality TV too. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of taking that sort of lens and then using it on history slash events that are sort of already happening. But I just, I feel like the pacing is always so weird on them. Yeah. I think or they fall into what you were saying. I think these, these, the Britney ones and this one and, Lula Rich, I, I think docutainment is kind of, I like that word because I just yeah. think it's, it's like, hey, let's tell the story. Because they're trying to live. Yeah. And we have, here's just this entertaining story, but there's nothing new to be learned from it unless you mm-hmm. just don't know anything about it. But there's nothing proprietary happening in these. And that goes into, I don't know when we want to actually officially transition to Britney, but that I goes into. We have. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> what I feel like too, is like, I feel like they're always, they're trying to end on cliffhangers so that you want to watch the next episode. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to like craft the narrative in such a way that it creates more drama than there is in some places. Yeah. With the Britney ones, I am at the point where I've had an interesting journey with the the Britney content in general. I think we talked about the first one of the Hulu's uh, earlier this year and, and I had put off watching it for a while because it just makes me sad. And I know that's not a reason not to watch it, but I felt it wasn't really giving me anything I didn't already kind of know something about or assume a lot about. And it just was like, this is just depressing. Yeah. These were a little more kind of, okay, because now we have information and she's finally admitted to stuff that's been going wrong and things in a way that it's empowering and it's, you know, slightly more interesting. But I'm already kind of at the point of some fatigue where I think I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm overhearing about this. I, I, I care. Just... 
a huge amount about this girl right now and I care about what happens to her and I hope for the best, but it's like, I was watching these and I was kind of glossing over. My, my, my eyes were just kind of going gray and I was like, I know, but I know, but I know. Yeah, yeah I know. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and I had the same reaction. I think part of it is the subject of this one is something that is so well documented constantly, right? It's a constant update and these did not, well, I, I will take it back. So I didn't feel like controlling Britney Spears, which is the Hulu New York mm-hmm. Times one, gave us anything new. I think framing Britney Spears because it came out a little earlier and I don't think the court had been decided at that point, you know, there was just a little more hush-hushness going on or there was lack of clarity. Like that one maybe at the time had slightly more value, but by the time controlling Britney Spears came out, I was just like, wait, well, I already know this. Like, what are you, you're just dragging this. And, and again, maybe maybe it's a documentary in the sense of it's a historical documentation of this time and place and this very public figure. But the thing about Britney versus Spears, the Netflix one, for me, I was like, oh, we're trying to insert the storytellers into this way too much and trying to craft a story out of I nothing. It. I mean, yes, there was one incident, but that does not an entire documentary make. No, and it's like Matt was talking about with the Keepers, where they had this personal journey that they were going on and documenting it as they went along. They weren't even making we... the film. Someone no. decided to start documenting them as they were investigating. Because you know, they knew. Like, and so, and even if they had decided to make the film, cool, like whatever, right? But I feel like this, you know, this New York Times journalist, or I'm um, sorry, what a Rolling Stone journalist, Rolling Stone, yeah, yeah and, and this, I don't know who the other girl was actually. She was just, I think, a documentary filmmaker. But she was just like a random documentary yeah. filmmaker. We're like, hey, let's jump on this gravy train and make a, a Britney doc. And so, I mean, they got some interviews that Hulu didn't get. I guess they like uncovered. What was that? That random dude who apparently like, wasn't, who took her doctor. to a wedding with his friend or whatever. But oh, oh yeah, the... was was sort of useless because he he basically didn't useless. help her at all. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And he didn't really give us a whole lot extra. I think the most interesting thing about that one was maybe the interview with the guy who used to work for the bodyguard company mm-hmm. and how much he was able to reveal. But all the and maybe maybe the costume designers. I guess made me a little bit sad, some of it. Yeah, I was going to say, even with the friends, yeah, it was it's interesting to get some of their perspective. But if you followed Brittany through these times, you knew who these people were, too. So it wasn't exactly anything that was so just, oh, my God, I didn't know who this person was or that was, if, you, if you're already interested. But if you're not interested at all, then I think there's new info, you know? The, but, the bodyguard dude who, like, saved yeah, was a, the emails it, yeah. and stuff, I didn't know about him. Yeah. That was the most interesting part. So that, that kind of painted a picture of how deep her mm-hmm. subjugation went which mostly just served to make me sad. So we didn't learn anything else new, really. Yeah, I thought his parts were, yeah, somewhat interesting, a different perspective. I thought it was at least interesting that they tried to get information out of this doctor who was being total coy and a total ass. And of course, yes, there is confidentiality, but it's like, why did you agree to be interviewed at all then? But but I thought that that was like, okay, that moment, that's what documentary filmmaking is about. It's getting the people asking the comfortable questions. Obviously, with... Well, it's, it's, that's what previous. one form of documentary filmmaking is about. Because let's, right. let's be honest, no, I think that but... part of the problem is we've also applied documentary to such a wide range of things. Yeah. I guess when we're talking not, about the investigative yeah. journalism part. That right. We're and to and because of who they are, I would well, try. That's and, what, yeah. yeah. And that's but, what okay. that moment is what I, I love in a, in a really well done documentary in that way. And I think, but back to the point of these women sitting there and kind of like, 
they're talking like, oh yeah, well you know we were we decided we wanted to make a documentary about Britney and just her in- cultural influence. It's like, oh, yeah, shit, <laughs> okay, yeah. And then now this just all started happening, so now we're shifting focus. Okay, cool. Let's just say I'll I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll believe that. But then the way you did it was just like anytime you needed to get from point A to point B, you filmed yourselves going over these documents that we know full well you already went over and you've planned this yeah. out and you're having it lit and, and nicely and whatever. And you're sitting there trying to act like these are real candid conversations you're having. And I couldn't do it. I just, that was the part I was like, this is well, so. And the documentary ugh. filmmaker was not a good actress and somehow did all the voiceover. And I was like, can you pay an actor to do this so that it sounds better? Yeah, I don't know. That was a weird thing for me. But then I also really disliked at the end when they because this whole thing was like, oh, we have we have footage or whatever of the or, you know, of the call that, you know, Brittany made in court and then they cut it down. I've read it in different places and they cut most of it out and they only kept the parts that were relevant sort of for their documentary. And so I was like, well, I just felt weird. I mean. That, it was rambly. I, like, I get it. I know, but like, yeah, you know. That's, but if you're going to be saying you're presenting the whole both sides and the whole case, it just it don't. It just felt well. Weird. I don't. That's the thing. I don't feel like they were actually trying to present both sides. I don't. I don't feel like that was their goal at all. Did either of you watch Murder on Middle Beach? It was the HBO one. It's about the guy whose mother was murdered, and he, yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't watch that. <laughs> murder, yes, yes, probably. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was like you're smiling so much at a murder. Di- no, but I think that was a really interesting one where that works well. In that, unfortunately, the subject of the documentary is also the documentarian, and, and I say unfortunately because it involved a murder, you know, a parental murder, which sucks. But you know, he makes sense as the narrator of that. He's not objective. It's not an objective documentary, but he makes sense as the investigator of that because of he is, there's no one more vested in that story than he is. Sure. So I get why, even if you are not the, and he's actually very personable and camera ready and all that type of stuff. But uh, you know that that to me makes sense. But these folks just being like, ah, fuck it, we'll we need to bridge this. We'll put ourselves in there. I was I was just like, this is. This yeah, is bad. I would have loved it if like her costume designer and her like former bestie slash assistant that's sweet lady that we see in all these things yeah. i would have liked it if like, they came together and were like we need to we need to tell britney's story and we need to just totally all, and they made it you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> you know like well, it they, was and they enlisted okay. these people to but make they but they right actually like use footage that they had of her and they you know of actually and the goal was to completely stories. just tell her side of the story and say fuck the rest okay right. cool you know but yeah it's it's you know i was gonna say at least the the docu-series we watched uh, on HBO, the way down, at least they do say at the end that they did try, they reached out to the congregation or, you know, and try to mm-hmm. uh, get their words and stuff like that. But, and obviously they declined and then released a statement. But it, it is hard when you're watching something and it's so kind of just biased on one side. It's like, it's not to yeah, say that I don't believe these things. I think they're terrible and also an interesting and important thing to learn about. But at least Lula Rich was kind of, you're watching that and you're like, okay, but I liked that we kept getting their delusional interviews as well. Mm-hmm. Because not to say that they deserve to be heard, but it's a thing where it was, it paints a, a more full, complete picture of what's really going on here because we see it for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> presented the counter argument. The counter argument was yeah. garbage, but we it, you know, at least- Manipulate the interviewer. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> I, and that was fascinating in that way. So 
while I still think that one should be cut down a little shorter, I do think that the structure of it, I think, might have been the most successful out of all of these. Personally. Yeah. But I think I enjoyed the way down the most, to be honest. But again, do we think that is because it is something that we were not aware of and it's new information and therefore Probably. we're more forgiving or more intrigued because we're like, oh, this is new as opposed to this is something I've seen in my you know social media feed every day for the last however many years yeah in i some think it's probably another, yeah. it's probably largely that's a big part of it for me i'm sure but also you know as the resident uh macabre over here <laughs> i think it was also the darkest i mean that's debatable i think the, they're all really dark <laughs> but it was it, no, it, it, it kind of got disturbing dark in a way that i was like okay you know you ladies remember yeah, that after yeah. i brought it up now you like that's one of my favorite docuseries I've ever seen. And I mean, there's not a lot darker than that. <laughs> you know, I get, I get really into the like, oh my God, they did what? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but with Brittany, I'm, I'm sad for these people that are affected by Lula, uh, Lula Roe. I almost said Lula Lemon because Lula Roe. <laughs> and by, I cannot remember this church's name, but, or the congregation's name, but I'm, I'm obviously devastated for the people that are affected by it, but they're far enough removed to where I can remember, I can see them in this and it's like, okay, the Britney stuff, I don't take any pleasure in at all because it's just so sad and she's alive and I, I like her. I'm a fan of her stuff. And it's just this thing where it's like, I, it's hard for me to, the darkness makes me angry when I'm watching it rather than entertaining. That's funny to me because I, I don't know if I have the opposite reaction, but I'm like, okay, as terrible as what is happening to Britney Spears or has happened to Britney Spears, a child died. That to yeah. me will always outweigh, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, cause she's still, you know, clothed housed over her head, like that type of thing. Again, it's not to say that her situation is great, but just if you're, if you're looking at the two, I'm like, yeah, that makes me a million, a million times angrier that a child who had no control over the situation they were in, you know, and I guess you could argue that Brittany at the beginning, but dead. Yeah. Dead, no, it's, dead, it's still dead. anger, but it's also mixed with entertainment in that, not to say, oh, like I don't care about the kid that died. I really do, and it makes me, it breaks my heart. But it's also that kind of thing where it makes the story juicy, unfortunately, in a way that's just like, wow, this is really some fucked up stuff. And it's just, mm-hmm. but it's kind of, I'm far enough removed from it to be able to watch it as a documentary and think it's entertaining. The Britney stuff, it's not that I'm involved in it, but I think it's just something. I don't feel worse for her than I feel for that kid. But it's more, this is going on for her verifiably right now. And I know there's probably many other people who are suffering from these other things, but it's like still out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And that's the most privileged thing I could ever say, but I, that's just my honest feeling about what I'm No, no, that's, that's very you know? fair. It's fair, so, it's fair to admit. Yeah. And and I, I think many people are too afraid to say something like that, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's how we, func- it's how we function in society because otherwise we would just constantly be under the crippling pressure of, you know, right. empathy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which isn't to say we aren't empathetic, right? But no, no, it's just it's just it's it can inter- become paralytic in terms of like yeah, it's entertaining in the sense that it's wow, this is really some fucked up shit that I didn't realize was going on in the world. Whereas like Brittany is kind of knew that shit happened, and it's really sad it happened. But because it's happening currently, and it's someone, it's so weird that we feel close to celebrities or whatever the fuck that means, right? But I feel like I know her more than I know this anonymous boy who died, right? Sure. And so it's just kind of easier to be empathetic to to that, I guess. Um, well, and then it's also kind of like even though obviously it, hit, it it was like a big punch in the gut when I heard that yeah. he died, you know. But there's something to be said also about having played any sort of part in anything about 
Britney's life. That That's kind of, fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was never, I honestly was never someone who was, who was outwardly ever making fun of her or anything. Cause I, I didn't like what was happening and I was a fan of hers when I was really young. And then I have remained a fan of hers, but I never was like making fun of Britney for shaving her head, but I was at that circus tour they talked about. I was, I bought my tickets to that and I saw her and the Pussycat Dolls together. I saw her Vegas show. I saw the last one on, in 2017 in New Year's. Huh. And I knew at the time, I didn't know as, that it was quite as bad as it, as it is or has been. But I knew at the time that she was a workhorse, but I was still like, oh, I can go get drunk and go to this and have fun, you know? And, it, mm-hmm. and so it's not to say, oh, I just feel so guilty. I don't even remind it of it, but it just, it's, it feels closer. You yeah, know, that's, I, I, I guess that is a very fair thing as well in that there is, I don't know if active participation is the right word, but that we did, you know, as consumers of media, et cetera, you know, have had firsthand whatever the experience may be with Britney Spears versus this church and the, you know, that right. we do, we do, none of us are connected to in that sense. So yes, I, I that's a valid, uh, that's a, it's a different way to look at it. So yes, I, yeah. so would we recommend The Way Down and who would you recommend it to if so? I oh, yeah. think that I would recommend it to my sister. Okay. I would recommend it to people who like true crime cult things, mm-hmm. which also is my sister. Yeah, I was like, I, and my sister as well. So there we go. So, so, uh, I'm not sure that I would recommend it to my parents necessarily. No, I, would I would absolutely not. I don't think, I think that my parents would like it well enough, but I don't think that they would get as sucked in. They're just not as true crime buffy as our generation feels like. Mm-hmm. This will make anyone... my mom sound really bad, but if there was more murder in it, I would recommend it to her. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. There's apparently there's two more episodes. Well, there, there, was more, more yeah, there was more so far where it was like, okay, this is, yeah. you know, she would be entertained. She, she's, I get it from her. So. <laughs> okay. And then the other question is if somebody had been living on Mars or in a coma or whatever it is and did not know who Britney Spears was, which of the documentaries would you recommend them to get? them up to speed on the situation the thing that sucks is i guess i would have to say britney versus spears even though i liked it the least but only because it feels like it's a little bit more of a complete picture than either of the two others are as a standalone yeah because i was gonna say if i had to pick one i would say actually the two episodes yeah but i don't think you can hulu but i don't know if that's allowed but i would say like maybe you can yeah because they're you know two episodes. yeah you, you can and so i would say that like that one but if you if you have to pick one, then yes, Britney versus Spears. Because I I actually don't think even with the two that the I think the Hulu ones require you to have a knowledge of Britney Spears in general. It's already like her a little bit. Not even like her. Just you just so, got to know. You have to understand her cultural relevance, and you have to under. I do I do think you have to understand who some of these people are because I am not someone who followed her super closely, mm-hmm. and I was like I vaguely kind of know some of these names, and not that you know they they are fleeting people in her life but some of the boyfriends some of the whatever i was like oh yeah that was a thing that had happened i guess but it it almost felt like it expected you to know that for it to be entertaining or juicy or whatever it was i was like i don't know what's going on well that's an interesting point that you make because maybe because i don't remember the first part of the hulu one quite as well obviously because i just watched these two this weekend but the fact that i think that maybe it's like, okay, the Britney versus Spears, I think, was a little bit more well-rounded and kind of like, hey, here's what's going on with this woman. But also, like I said, I enjoyed it the least out of all of them. And I think it's because I already knew so much because mm-hmm. it is retelling me a lot of things. And so maybe that's part of it. It's like it does actually do a better job of actually painting the full picture, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, a lot better than the other two do. 
Although, right. I, again, I think trying to separate out, I still don't like the way that they did it. Like, I Agreed. don't like them inserting themselves into it. I think there are, there are better ways to do it, but of the options available. Well, without that. saying, hey, you have to go watch all these documentaries and however many more are going to get made about Britney Spears, you have to go watch them all. Right. It's like if we're just giving one, yeah, I'd have to. I would, I'm not going to say, oh, let's nominate it and let's talk about how amazing it is. But if you want some info, it's probably the better one. For okay. My last question is, did you know that Amanda Bynes is in a conservatorship? Yes. After her like 2013, 2014 debacle, right? I didn't know that, but I guess it makes sense. There was yeah, a lot going on with her for a that while. That was another one that was going on, and that was, I was, I mean, I'm not like a mega Amanda Bynes or anything, but I just remember being like, oh, this poor girl needs help. And I felt, it was, it was sad. I, I get awkward and weird. It's, you think, because I like housewives and stuff, that I love a, to watch like a dumpster fire, like just engulfed in flame. But <laughs> it's like whenever I see someone just going wild and having a full meltdown on Twitter or something, I get really like kind of like Jackie's secondhand embarrassment in movies. I get yeah. oddly uncomfortable and just kind of really just, oh, this is terrible. This is not entertaining to me. <laughs> I just get that way. Yeah. Well, I think the other the thing for me about this is thinking about it is like, okay, well, uh, someone like Amanda Bynes and, and Britney Spears even, or even Paris Hilton are all, they were all introduced to us when they were very young. Lindsay Lohan. And so Lindsay Lohan, right? You're seeing the clear manifestation of a lot of trauma for generations to come that are not going to know how to deal with this insane levels of child star fame we've already seen you know the early movie stars who are now mostly past but you know Mm -hmm. it was not pretty for them this is that on so many steroids because you know the internet and all these things and just seeing them now i'm like oh this makes me uncomfortable and sad and very worried for the next next generation right the the gen geners or the whatever i'm like oh god <laughs> you know it's already bad but it's gonna get worse listen i i worked a number of years with the kardashian family and i i've thought for a long time i was like you know this is those girls the uh kendall and kylie are really the first that i can think of uh children that grew up completely on camera i mean mason disick will be the real first <laughs> but we saw him born on camera but yeah. with them, I mean, I, I believe Kylie might have been seven, six or seven when they started filming. And, uh, you know, so it's something. And then I suddenly was present when she was having a baby. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, and I wasn't there when they started filming. But I'm just saying it's this thing where that the implications of growing up with a camera around all the time, it remains to be seen exactly what that means for somebody. Yeah. And we're going to learn it in real time. Oh, yeah. I mean, sad. we've seen very few child stars end up okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Because, you like, know. It depends. Like, Natalie Portman's pretty good. I don't think she yeah. was, like, super. She wasn't, like, she wasn't acting all the time, all the time, everywhere, I don't think, as a kid. But she was, you know. And Scarlett Johansson, which. The ones are okay now, the but they had, a, they, had a, they had a rough period, too. Who? who? Olsen twins. Mm. Oh, yeah. They, no. They had a rough period. But they, they seem, you know, functioning humans at this point. We've seen Dakota and Elle Fanning. Uh, yeah, they're doing pretty good. Yeah. But uh, like, what was his name? It wasn't. He was in Indiana Jones, and he was holes. Oh, God, short round. Oh, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, I was. I thought short round also. <laughs> I was very different. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what that is. He, he plays the little Asian kid. Temple of Doom. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I was thinking racist. the other one. <laughs> because like you know the Kate Blanchett one, <laughs> the good one. <laughs> but I mean, he was very famous as a child, you know, and now sure. yes, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of. And I think that the people who were very famous as children and had the whole weight of earning money for their family on their shoulders are all kind of bizarre now. 
Well, I think there's a, like, there's a, yeah, there's a difference between someone who, like I said, Natalie Portman, who was in a film here and there, and then someone who was on a widely syndicated television show working full time. You know, I mean, yeah. Amanda Bynes, Sh- Shia LaBeouf. Who was the girl on the Beverly Housewife show that's so screwed up that was on TV shows as a kid? Oh, Kim Richards. Kim Richards. Oh, Kim. Yeah. Do you want to talk about? But but then at the same time, I'm like, well, what about like the Harry Potter kids? They seem okay. Yeah. And the, I'm mostly talking about like the main three. I'm like, yeah. yeah I was like, I think. I mean, they they all continue to work honestly, and they hopefully are just making those choices themselves and seem to like it. Yeah. I know. But I do uh, think to to what Jackie said, it's like the weight of the money earning, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. It's huge. Yeah. Well, and the kind of... Or like even like a Justin Bieber where you got famous really young, you know, and then you're surrounded by yes people for a while, right? And so then you make horrifying choices that... Well, as you're becoming a real human, you don't know who you can trust to be your real friend because everyone's opportunist in this world. And so that becomes hard. And it's also that nobody tells you, to go back to earlier, nobody tells you... this is the right thing to do this is the wrong thing to do as an adult right and like you're transitioning to that and everyone just tells you either this is what you want to hear or they tell you like something completely for their own you know whatever purposes and it's uh, Uh, and I think so I think the people who had for example the Dakotas my sister worked in fashion PR for a long time and they were one of the few celebrities who would regularly send her thank you notes for sending them free clothes so and they were handwritten so somebody was teaching them to be grateful right for what they got. And so I do think that like, if you have someone in your life who was able to be strong and still be a parent while you earned their paycheck, that is probably the difference. No, I think it's very, it's very true. And I remember, do you remember when that film was coming out with Dakota and it was very, very controversial because there was a pretty graphic rape scene, I believe in it. And she was still technically a minor. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I think it was called Groundhog or something. It was something, but I remember an interview with her during that. And I always remember because people were obviously, that was a moment when they were calling into questioning her parents' decisions and if they're good parents or not and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember her talking about how her parents, before every film that or a project that she and her sister have taken on, that their parents would sit them down and have a deep conversation about why they want to do this project, blah, 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 all these things. And then also the money that they get from those projects goes into an account of each of the girls and is not allowed to be touched until they're 18. And so the parents weren't actually using the money that the kids were making on the films because they wanted to keep it very not about that and very about because we want to do this. And I thought that was an interesting perspective and I don't know how much she was saying to protect and whatnot, but if that's true, I I, like hats off because somebody likes to spend some dollars over here. I, yeah, I would but, not want to exploit my child, but I can understand why people get caught up doing it. And it's really sad. Yeah, but just because, I don't know, I, I think part of the challenge is not to say that young adults are not capable of making decisions, but you you aren't as informed as you might be, you know, later in life. And your brain is still forming. And so saying like, this is why I want to make this thing. Maybe there are moments. I'm not saying that this oh, was totally. the right or wrong choices, you know, but just saying like, hey, we're going to sit you down just because we're going to sit you down before you make a movie and listen to why you want to make it, you know. Maybe it is your job as a parent sometimes to step in and be like, nope. Yeah. Oh, no. Not I, yeah, okay. My, my little, my little, that whole diatribe there was not to defend their choice to ever do the movie. I don't, that's not for me. Yeah. yeah, I, I, just, yeah I, I just mean I, yeah, more, there are a lot of parents, I think, that don't even consider whether their kid would want to do it. They're just like, we can get money from this. So you're going to do it. And so the fact that they would do that at least was, feels like the best attempt you can have to try to, you know, she it's gets also cast very in Twilight sort of... and they sit down and talk to her, you know, so it's anything yeah. that 
it's obviously it's really great, but I do think that is a kind of a privilege to write because we, we don't know mm-hmm. what kind of socioeconomic places some of these parents were in, which does not make what their decisions correct, right? I'm not trying to say yeah. that either. Yeah. Uh, the film is called Hound Dog, by the Hound way. Hound Dog. I was all ground. Hound Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing film. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, an, an odd week for us. Yeah. Not the not the brightest of bright spots, but. I was mostly uh, entertained by it. You know. Yeah, I, I think it was like innocuous to, you know, for me, at least the way down was the most. Again, I now I'm hesitating to use the word interesting because I I think what I was trying to say earlier is like we're driven by this morbid curiosity these days, truly emphasis on the morbid, and it's because the world is just so dark and stuff. It's it's starting to weigh on me a bit. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can feel that because you're talking to someone who's really enjoyed the morbid side of storytelling for a very long time, and in the current world we're living in now, sometimes it is a little. Yeah, it's. I, yeah. I, I think like before it was maybe like a dark escapism, and now yeah. it's just oh, everything's bad. Yeah, it's like oh, okay. Well, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all bad. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure. My my friend was visiting for the weekend, and last night I was like, okay, I do have to watch the one Britney Spears thing that I could do on my lunch break today if I didn't do last night, mm-hmm. but had watched the first Britney one. It was just I was like, okay, this is just such a downer. So we put on Mean Girls because it was October 3rd. But I was like, I need something fun. I need like a, <laughs> I, I can't Pick me up. This. Yeah, and like usually I'm kind of like, oh, I could cry myself to see if that's totally fun. But, <laughs> but I was like, this is too heavy for me. Yeah. All right. Next week we have a James Bondathon. So okay. that'll be a, a change of gears, sort of. That hopefully won't be deep and dark. <laughs> It's uh, it's unclear from the trailer if they're actually yeah, going to like, give us what we want from James Bond or not. So yeah. we will see. We will find. It does out. look like they are trying to add depth where they should not. So let's uh, let's see. Yeah, there there will be murder in that though because if you think about it, James Bond is actually a psychopath who's killed a kajillion people. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. But it, yeah. I just want to watch a hot dude talk to hot people, you know, and. Have a really cool car and blow things up. And they yeah. just seem to just have a really good hot time. You know, yeah, but they hot, just seem to want to add around. plot. You know, they keep wanting to add more plot. And it's not uh, hot plot. And <laughs> I just don't like the fact that they. It's fun. I don't know. Hot, I just, I just really like, I hate the fact that they're trying to like deepen the plot, you know, with, with the Q stuff and the like. And I'm just like, ugh, stop it. It was just fun to have them around and just like always in the movies. It didn't need to be a thing. Well, that is a we as a discussion for like, next week. I was like, that yeah, we can do that for next week because I have direct thoughts to say to that. I have yeah, many a thought. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've already done some of the homework for next yeah, week. That's yeah, why okay. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Well, thank you both. We'll we'll reconvene. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thank you, as per usual, to Jackie and Matt. And now a couple of follow-up points. So Shriek's backstory in the Spider-Man comics actually differs pretty dramatically from the film version in that Shriek does not meet Cletus Cassidy until he's actually fused with the Carnage symbiote. In the first iteration of her written existence, she teams up with him after he's Carnage. And so this whole backstory of them being, you know, star-crossed lovers from 
before he is infected with the symbiote is uh, it's new for the film Matt is also actually correct in the comics originally or at least in one run of the comics Cletus and Eddie do meet in jail where Eddie is a prisoner as opposed to just being a visiting investigative reporter for the way down it is going to be a five-part series and the last two episodes will premiere in 2022 so either they're waiting for the court case to wrap up or they're still in post-production or something along those lines but that's why there's a to be continued at the end of episode three and then the filmmakers of Britney versus Spears are Aaron Lee Carr who actually also made the documentary at the heart of gold inside the USA gymnastics scandal which is actually darker than Britney versus Spears if you think about it and the other woman is Jenny Ellescu she is a radio host for Sirius XM and as we mentioned she's a contributing editor for Rolling Stone that has been it for this episode thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed it we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing